Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Build resilience into our character and resilience is one of those ever-giving gifts. You build it into your life, you'll be so grateful later on that you did that. So I wanted to talk with you about the difference between building a resilience and mere survival. You know, the batten down the hatches, you know, just outlast this thing, you know, and then I'll... What do you think is the key to that difference? Perseverance. The difference between perseverance and endurance. So endurance is the kind of holding on. I'm just going to stick this out, come hell or high water, I'm holding on. But perseverance is actually uh, being faithful and taking another step and then another step and another step. In other words, continuing on the journey, no matter what the the, the, the weather is with the storm or the hail or the snow or the blizzard, we are soldiering on and we've got the capacity to do so. That's kind of, that's the difference. (laughs) There's a little bit of a, I think, uh, a trick the enemy uses that somehow rather to tell us that life's out of control, when the truth is there's not very much of our life that ever is in our control, quite frankly. Um, you know, most of us in our life, if we're adults, we will have experienced things like rejection. That wasn't in our control. We'll have experienced health issues, most likely. They weren't in our control. It's not like you ever ordered them up. Um, all kinds of things can come our way. And once we realise that we need the help of God, who does have everything in control, uh, and the stress that runs with that stops being such a major issue. Do you find that? Absolutely. And, and especially when it comes to this topic um, of resilience and stress, um, we have to identify, okay, sure, there's so much that's out of my control, but what is in my control? What, what few things do I have the capacity to control? And one of them is, is perspective the way in which we intentionally look at something, and and especially when it comes to this topic of stress, we need to renew our mind about stress because, you know, research shows that if you think stress is bad and that it's doing you harm, well, guess what? You're right. And if you think stress, no, stress is great. Stress is an advantage. It's actually doing me good. Well, guess what? You're right. In terms of whatever it is that you think and believe, well, that becomes your reality. And so when we actually look at stress, let's exercise a degree of control over the way in which we do it. Because, well, let's just take a moment right now and and unpack it. There's three different types of stress. And the first is called critical stress. Critical has two different meanings. One, it's critical in terms of it's important. Because if you don't have stress in your life, well, you'll be bored and you won't accomplish much. But critical because, hey, we're in a critical season right now. And therefore, it's important for me to pay attention to this kind of stress. But just like you started out by saying, this is the best time to confront this stress head on, to actually use this stress a little bit like wind in our sails. If there's no wind, well, we don't go anywhere. But if we can harness the wind, well, we we can go places because the greatest leaders of the world throughout history, it was always through critical times, these junctures in history where there was crisis, if you will, that's what forged their leadership capacity. That's where they learned to be resilient. However, if we have compounded stress where, where we have not just 
the news of, oh, I lost my job, which is critical, but then I also lost my house and I lost loved ones. And so there's, there's multiple different sources of stress. Well, that's compounded stress. It's, it's the next level, if you will. And if it doesn't go away, if it continues, if this whole disaster continues on for the next 18, two, 18 months, two years or more, and, they, and these compounding stresses, they don't go away. Well, if it's too much, too severe and happens too often, well, it ultimately becomes chronic stress. And this is the moment where stress starts to become distress, where it's no longer healthy for us. For us. Wow. There's so much in that, isn't there? I, I am quite confident in my heart. I've been praying for our nation and for the people that are a part of our Metro Church online congregation. All those there, I've been praying that and sensing quite often that the peace of God is going to actually do something wonderful in people's lives. And I don't say that uh, just as a throwaway line. I believe that. I believe that this can be a time where we find a strength and a reserve and an ability. I think a lot of it comes back to that beautiful word you just used in shifting our perspective. Uh, it's so important. We can either view it as a catastrophe or we can view it as a challenge. Uh, one will empower you to say, you know what, I'm in this for the fight. I'm in this for the process. I'm going to go with this. Or the other one is where we throw our hands up in the air and say, it's all too hard. Um, what are some of the keys that, again, I'm sure you're going to refer to habits and daily process. What are some of the things that start to build resilience into someone's life? Well, firstly, let's, we should define what resilience is so that there's no confusion because um, oftentimes people think uh, emotional resiliency is really emotional strength. It's my capacity to, you know, be bold, be brave. And, and, and while there might be elements of that, it, it actually has much more to do with emotional flexibility than it does strength. So the idea is that if a storm blows uh, the trees, the trees must bend because that which does not bend will break. But equally as they bend with the storm, when the storm is over, the definition of resiliency is how able is that tree uh, to be restored to its original starting position? And that right there will be the definition of our resilience. And when we go ahead and develop resiliency tools, you know, the, the habits and the structures that you just referred to, well, tools are a little bit like, like a raincoat on a rainy day. We can't control the rain. As we said before, there's so much in life we can't control. But I can determine whether or not I get wet by the rain. And so I can see the rain and I can shake my fist at God and say, why did you make it rain today? Today's my special day. Like you could have given me a, a heads up or a warning or changed the weather forecast. Aren't you God? Isn't all things possible? Like, but yet God's looking at us saying, you know, why don't you do something about it? Like put on your gum boots and go jump in a puddle. It could be fun. Break out an umbrella. Put on a raincoat. There are so many different tools, if you will, that we have access to that can actually help us to stop getting wet and actually help us to go out and have fun, to make the best of this difficult time. Or if you're standing in the sun and you're, you're shaking your fist, God, don't you know I'm going to get burned today? I've got blonde, you know, hair and white, you know, fair skin. And, and God's like, slip, slip, slap. Like there are resources available to you. Uh, stop always whinging, whining and complaining and start asking the question, what resources do I have access to that could actually help me not just to survive, but to truly thrive? You, when you and I were chatting the other day prior to all this and you ran, well, whether it was random or not, I'm not sure, but 
at the end of our conversation, you said, you know, uh, just remember, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. I think it's Proverbs 13, isn't it? Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Do you remember this? And I said to you, yeah, but the Bible doesn't say where the good word's got to come from. We've got to become experts. My favourite passage apart from all the New Testament, but my favourite, and Joseph, and I, and all the other ones, but one of my favourites is that one in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, where it says, And David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I think right there is the genius and the brilliance of a young man in love with God and led by God in that he says, you know what, I'm not going to wait for someone else to pick me up in this thing. I'm going to lead myself well. Talk to us about that. How, how do I lead myself in the middle of all that's going on? And how do I lead myself into a place of strength? Uh, such a great question. And look, when, when we're actually talking to ourselves, you know, people think, hang on, hang on, isn't that what crazy people do? Does that mean I'm starting to go crazy? Well, firstly, crazy is not a psychological term. That would be a legal term. And secondly, no, it's not um, you going crazy. This is you being intentional with your words because life and death is in the power of the tongue and out of the mouth, the heart speaks. It's actually not just unilateral. It's not just the heart speaking, but actually it's bilateral. The words we speak do heart surgery on ourselves. And so we would do well to learn how to be a good friend, a good friend to ourselves. Because would you ever say to a friend, you're fat, you're ugly, you're no good, you're worthless, like you're a loner. You've got, like, but we say that without a care in the world to ourselves. We'll stand in front of the mirror and we'll go, yeah, look at that. But, but in so doing, we make God a liar because God, when he created us, said, no, this isn't just good. This is very good. So when we learn to adopt God's language and say, you are very good. This is not just my words. This is God's words that I'm now taking God's words and I'm speaking them over myself. Now that's being a good friend. It's a great habit, isn't it, to build into your life again. And I love the fact that regardless of what's going on out there or what those ants you spoke about last week, automatic, wasn't it? Negative thoughts um, that go running through our brain, regardless of those, and we all get them, regardless of those, I can declare the words of my mouth. I can go and, and not, you know, some kind of just positive speaking for the sake of it, but actually echoing what God already says about me and saying, you know what, maybe I don't have a cheer squad, so I'll be my own. Um, not in a prideful way, but in an acknowledging God way is an incredibly beautiful gift once you realise that's in your toolkit. I, I believe a lot of people have got a great toolkit for all that you're going to talk about and are, but we just have never opened the shed and looked in the toolbox. We've never gone and said, oh yeah, I can do that. What are some other things like that that you'd go, you know what, that's in your toolkit, you could do this. Look, I love that within us are not just toolkits, but they're treasure chests. And so when we can find the right key to unlock the treasure chests within, um, we discover that we actually, we're future factories. That when we start to plan for our future and start to put steps into place and make decisions, wise decisions, and, and execute them uh, for a better future, the future is not out there somewhere, the future is actually 
in here that I have been deposited into time. I, I am an, an eternal spirit that, that's been placed into a momentary body that's living in the context of time. And so everything that's in my future is actually in me. And so if I can learn how to master my mind, if I can learn how to manage my mood, if I can learn how to exercise greater wisdom when it comes to decision-making, well, then I can activate Proverbs that says, you know, it is by wisdom that a house is built and, and through understanding its foundations are established and through knowledge uh, we discover its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So, so how do we tap into this amazing mansion that we can build in our lives, this future factory? How do we get wisdom? The combination of knowledge and understanding. When we understand this is how my body functions, these are the warning signs, like on the dashboard of the car, uh, the flashing light that's, that's blinking at you. Well, it's not just blinking in time with the music thinking i like this too no it's trying to communicate to you this is your body you are not your body you are living in a body and so you can speak to your body don't follow your feelings inform your feelings i'm in charge here this is what we are going to do but when your body is speaking back to you and saying hey warning uh, there's a catastrophe or i'm worried i've got these butterflies in my stomach or my face is turning red or uh, my voice is trembling or i'm stressed and i can't sleep you should pay attention as well because the flashing light might be plug the seatbelt in, take the handbrake off, fill up with petrol. It's telling you take action and action is the key for resilience. Speaking about action, one of the things that um, intrigues me at the moment is how many people I see in my part of the world here um, that are out exercising. They're walking. I watched a lady with her little toddler in a pram you know, push him all done up in a athletics gear. And uh, I watched an elderly couple out walking. I don't know whether they were all people that used to just go to the gym, but I just see a lot more people out and about. How important is physical activity? Given that when we get really into that hopeless kind of state, we tend to shrink and not want to move. How important is it to do the opposite? Yeah, very important um, because, you know, like we've said before, it's easier to act your way into feeling than it is to feel your way into action. And so when we engage the exercise, the feeling follows. And all of a sudden, I love it. I'm so glad I got out of bed this morning and went out into the fresh air and sunshine. And But most of us don't actually want to get out of bed. And so it takes the discipline not to wait for the feeling, but to engage the action because it's the action that really counts. And when it comes to emotional and mental well-being, you know, the exercise is just but one of four or five. So with exercise and sleep and good diet and good socializing, good social network and a good spiritual life, making sure that we're connected to the source of life, you know, engage those five things and you right there will, will develop resiliency by default. Let's talk for a minute about one of those you just mentioned, because I think it's so important uh, is having the right people that we are connecting with. Every one of us knows what it's like to dread the visit or the phone call from that person who just sucks the life out of you. And, you know, but we feel like, well, you know, maybe I need to talk to them. But at times like this, when you want to build resilience, you really need to have a bit of a bank of people, not that, that fill your tank, but people that don't drain your tank. Um, and we've got the technology. Here am I chatting to you. You're in Queensland. It's dark over there. It's still daylight here. Um, and we're able to connect like that in 
such an amazing way. The truth is, for most of us, isolation doesn't exist in the same way as it would have done 50 or 100 years ago. How, give us some advice on how we improve our resilience through our relationships. Well, research shows that social interaction with other people is actually essential for brain development. Um, so if you want to have a healthy brain, have a, to have a healthy social network, uh, engaging in quality friendships, not quantity friendships, which are surface, but many, but quality. I always think of the cripple guy who was sitting on the side of the street, you know, people would have been walking by, lots of commotion, and he would have asked you like, hey, what's going on? And everyone's like, oh, we're headed to Pete's place. And he's like, Pete's place, what, why? He's like, oh, haven't you heard? Jesus, the healer guy is in town. And he's like, healer guy, hang on, I'm crippled, I, I need healing. Well, he couldn't get to the meeting, but thank God he had four good quality friends. Right. And please note, these weren't just four random people or any old friends. These were good quality friends because they were willing to do whatever it took to get this cripple guy to Jesus. And so we have to ask that same question of ourselves. What are the quality of my friendships? Have I got four people that if I was going through a difficult season or a storm in my life, that they would, would be willing to do absolutely anything to get me back to Jesus? Uh, and then I'll go ahead and ask one more question. And how about myself? Could I get off the stretcher and actually allow somebody else to get off the, on the stretcher so that I can be a stretcher bearer and get them to Jesus? Because if you want to have good quality friends, you've got to be a good quality friend. Again, like I could talk to you for hours, I'm sure, here, because again, that whole thing, I call it acting in the opposite spirit, that whatever the natural inclination of the baser desires, the lower things, what we feel like when we're under pressure, oftentimes if you do the exact opposite, and what you're talking about there is saying, instead of just feeling sorry for yourself, saying, okay, how can I be a help to somebody else? How can I become a blessing? I think that's why Jesus told the man to rise, take up your bed and walk, is because he meant the man to take the bed for someone else. Um, that's, a, that's a big deal, isn't it, in our world that, you know, the natural tendency when we get under a lot of pressure is to actually shrink our world when the opposite spirit says, no, now's the time to enlarge your world and find a way to be a blessing to someone else. And speaking of the opposite spirit, whenever there is a catastrophe or an emergency in our lives, we, the natural human tendency, is to run for the exit if the building is on fire. Uh, but of course, the slower you go, the faster you get there, which is why the official will come on the overhead speaker and say, everyone, please remain calm. And so we have to engage the opposite spirit in order to be even more effective, to exit the building even more efficiently. Wow. Now look, I've heard you talk, by the way, I don't want to forget this, because I've heard you talk about an emergency response plan. Can you elaborate on that? What's that about? Well, when we're going through emergencies, think of the emergency services personnel. Do you notice that no one ever freaks out? Like no one's ever like, oh, there's alarm bells. Oh no, what are we going to do? And I'm a firefighter or if I'm an ambulance officer or, you know, if you freak out, you'll lose your job. You have to have resiliency and if they can do it why can't we and so the concept is if you're in an emergency if there are alarm bells going off well, well as we said before that that might be a warning sign for you um but not necessarily a warning to panic 
but a warning to take action. If the smoke alarm is triggered, the, the, the action step is leave the building. But all too often when we're having this feeling of panic, we want to replace the feeling with another feeling. So in other words, if we're feeling bad, we want to feel good. It's only natural and, and, and it's human nature. But look, the antidote to feeling bad is not actually feeling good. As we've said before, the, the antidote to feeling bad is to take action. That's how resiliency is formed. Can I just, can I just back you up? And can I back you up there for a minute? Because I think that is so important and so powerful. Uh, I've never heard anyone say it quite like, could you just say that again, that the antidote to feeling bad is not feeling good because that's where things like drugs or alcohol or binge eating or a whole bunch of things comes in because everyone goes I've got to get rid of this bad feeling how do I find you know how do I put something good in its place what you're saying is that's actually not going to get you where you want to go it's actually what you've said it's the opposite spirit it's doing the exact opposite of what we feel like doing. There's a, a neurological reason why, because the limbic system in our brain, let's just, you know, for argument's sake, call it the emotional brain. When the alarm bells are going off and, and it feels bad or if it feels pain, pain is a threat to its survival. So it needs to engage in some kind of pleasure, which is to the brain, the antidote for, for the pain, but it's actually not true. It's a, it's a false ideology. And so we need to trick our brain at its own gain. In fact, think of it like this. If you are in a building that is on fire, um, even though, ladies and gentlemen, please remain calm might be the announcement, that's not the feeling, that's the method for exiting. You see, if you want the feeling of peace, no one is going to come over the loudspeaker and say, ladies and gentlemen, please don't panic. Replace your panic with peace. Sit there and just go, um, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. You need to exit the building. And when you have taken that action, then peace will follow. Do the opposite of what you think you're going to do. Right. Walk exit calmly and quietly. And when you've exited, feeling will follow. So we do that, we've exited the burning building, but we don't want it to stop there. We want to have a habit because resilience, in my definition of it, is not a moment's heroism. It's a change of character that says, this is the new me. This is how I'm going to be. I'm going to be that kind of person. So how do we get to that? I, I find habits, there's books galore on habits, but most of them seem a bit like, well, you know, it's a bit like saying, stumble around the dark, eventually you'll find the door. And I go, well, no, that takes too long. Give us some quick pointers. How do we form new habits, particularly ones like this? And, and I'm thinking of mums and dads here that are going, you know what? My, my end of day rant is not helpful for my kids. I don't want that to be the example my children get. I don't want to have to be apologizing every night to my spouse for the way I'm acting or to my work colleagues or whatever. So help us build, build some I'm habits. so glad you've come back to this, Pastor Jeff. And, and if you're listening right now, uh, this could be the moment. So if you haven't really been paying attention up until this moment, this is the moment. Put all the distractions aside. Tune in, lean in, because this could be the golden key that unlocks one of those treasure chests for you. Remember we said before that, the emergency services personnel, they don't seem to panic. That's because they've developed the habit through repetition of strategy, how to remain calm, how to proceed, uh, how to drive to the, the, the fire and how to walk up the stairs or put out the fire or whatever it might be. They have rehearsed this over and over and over again. And basically that's how habits 
form. So when we intentionally uh, become mindful about doing something new, it becomes second nature. But please note, second nature is not human nature. It is the alternative to it. It's an intentional nature that we have created as a strategy for, then we have rehearsed it or repeated it so that now becomes second nature. So when the emergency alarm bells in our life go off, I need not panic. I can now pursue the strategy that I've set up in advance. And, And if you want to do this in your life, here's a quick little tip. Here's something to remember, a little mind hack or a mind tool. I call it the magic. And the magic is simply, you know, straight out of Bible because, you know, Jesus, he was the greatest magician. You know, of course, the first thing he would have said when he was resurrected and came back to life was, ta-da! And ta-da is a word that you can remember. It's just an acronym, T-D-A-R, and this is how we form habits. So T stands for trigger. If you're on your way to work and you walk past the bakery and that fresh oil and cinnamon is being piped out, you go, oh, I need a donut. So the trigger causes you to have a D, desire. But then you want to take action on that desire and buy a donut so that you can get the R, reward, T-D-A-R, of eating that donut. Now, if you do that, well, you'll be doing it again tomorrow and the next day you'll be repeating it and now it will become second nature. You just go to the bakery. That's what you do. But that's what we call a bad habit. (laughs) Now, if that's how we can form a bad habit, why can't we use the exact same magic strategy, ta-da, the magic word, for developing a good habit. So if you, you want to read the Bible more often, well then put the Bible out on the kitchen bench so that when you walk down for breakfast, that's the first thing you see. The Bible is the trigger for the desire to want to spend time with God and get your day right on the right foot, sowing your first fruits, if you will. And then as you actively read that Bible, you'll get the reward and the benefit from it. And if you do this again and again and again, it will become, as we said before, second nature and second nature is not human nature wow look it's so good again i wish we could just go we'll have you back for sure and there's so much ground i'd love to cover with you that i think can be a real help particularly i'd love to get you back sometime we can talk about families in particular i know that's been one of your areas of specialty helping families i remember the psychology cafe and some of those very creative initiatives of yours. But we we do need to wrap this up. Can I get you again, if you would, just to pray it. I believe there's so many people out there that are actually going to come through this better, not worse. They're going to come out of it bigger, not smaller. And I'd love you to pray for us, just that we'll follow God in this in a great way. That'd be awesome. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. Thank you. Well, Father God, I just thank you once again for the short period of time that we've had to just talk, to consider the things that are near and dear to your heart about building resiliency, because even though there will be storms in our life, we don't need to freak out. I just pray, God, that we would have faith that you are able to still the wind and the waves in our lives to guide us through the deep dark valley of the shadow of death and and i pray god that we wouldn't just be hearers of this word but that we would be doers of this word that we would activate take something that we've learned from today and implement it practice it to to develop a habit in our lives this week so as to develop second nature resilience which is as we learn as we learn today not not human nature Help us to engage the opposite spirit to bring you glory and to show a testimony of the way in which you would have us live. And for this, we thank you. I pray a blessing over each and every person who is within earshot of my voice and has listened to this today. May they truly be richer and better for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Dr. Robbie, as always, thank you so much for your great encouragement. You're a wonder. Hey, God bless. Give our love to your family. Thanks. Likewise. Cheers. God bless. Wow. How amazing. How amazing is that? How beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Robbie. How amazing and how brilliant that was. Uh, so many nuggets of wisdom. I think that's the third time or fourth that I've heard that uh, or was a part of the interview. And every single time I hear it, there's somehow rather more speaks to me out of that. I would encourage you to go back over this again. It'll stay up on our YouTube channel so that you can go back to part one or part two and hear that again. Uh, so much wisdom in there, not just for this season that perhaps so many people would have challenges in, but for the whole of life. You know, COVID-19 one day will just be another part of history. But our life will continue to bring challenges to us. And as we keep following God, He wants us to get stronger and to build that kind of resilience into our life. Let me talk to you for just a minute, though. I think one of the key parts of Jesus' ministry was addressing the inner part of human beings. Contrary to what a lot of people in this nation or other nations would think, Jesus was actually not about religion. He seemed to have very little time for all the rituals and the rules and the regulations. He obeyed those, but uh, he was much more concerned about people's inner life. Listen to these words out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, that is the partnership yoke, the thing that joins me to the one beside me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul." I love that in the middle of a time when Jesus was walking on this earth physically, where there was so much pain, there was so much pressure, and in the middle of that you hear not just a voice with a theory, but someone who says, what you really need to do is to come to me. I have lost count over the decades that I have had the privilege of leading people to Christ. I have lost count of the number of people that I've seen just do that and come into a, a significant place of peace in their life. In this morning's service, when I interviewed Sia, she talked about how something changed instantly in the inside of her life at that moment a year ago when her and her husband said yes to Christ. Can I encourage you? Please say yes to Jesus. He didn't say, come to my religion. He didn't say, come get on board with my theories or my teachings. He said, come to me. I'd love it if you would say yes to Jesus Christ tonight. I believe that a huge chunk of inner peace comes when we come to the Prince of Peace. And I'd love to pray with you. It's so simple. You simply say yes to Jesus Christ. Probably about two years ago, we began in this church what we call Yes Text. We started it because we recognised so many people don't any longer have the 
easy ability to come to a building. So we started it so that no matter where you are, you can begin a journey with Christ. In Australia, you can do that by texting yes to 0488 826 392. Well, we quickly got requests about it from people overseas and from others for whom text was not a preferred way of receiving that help on a daily basis. And so we then added in a little bit later another way you can do that at yes.metrochurch.org.au. It comes from us at Metro. It's not from any other agency. You can opt out whenever you want. It goes for 30 days and then there are some mini-series that you can opt in that lots of people do because it starts helping them to discover what it is that God has meant for their life. I would certainly encourage you to do that. Uh, simply text YES to 488 or go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. But I'd love to lead you in prayer right where you are right now as you say your yes to Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone that's a part of this service. Some of them, Lord, have never taken this step, the step of saying, I'm coming to Jesus. Maybe they've come to religion or maybe even visited a church, but they've never said yes to you in their life. And so God, I know that today as they take that very simple step, that you will come into their life, the Prince of Peace will bring his peace into their world and their life. I pray for them, Lord, that that journey will be the greatest journey of the rest of their life as they follow you. Thank you for it. We pray for them, that you'll help them and guide them in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.